0: Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, someone give Jesus a big praise in the house. Amen. Are you happy? Who's happy? God is good. And all the time... Amen. It is wonderful to be in the Lord's house on Labor Day weekend. Yes. Oh, it is my birthday. Yes. In honor of my birthday, we have a national holiday. Most of you are off tomorrow. You're welcome. Thank you, sister, whoever you were in the back. Yes, yes, can we welcome everyone who's joining us online this morning? We welcome you online, God bless you. We hope you're doing well, thank you for joining us. Amen, aren't you glad to be here? I am so glad to be here today. And we gotta cheer for the groups, right? Give it up for the groups, the group leaders, Thrive Groups rock. And we hope that you will sign up for a group. We have like almost 50. I think it's 49 groups for people of all ages, all stations in life, all throughout the week. So there's one for you. We, we do, we're better together. Say that. We're better together. So join a group, especially coming out of COVID. And I know we're not all the way out, obviously, but, you know, we're, we're going to get out through this. And we may have been disconnected for a long time. We need each other. We, we need each other this we weren't meant to go it alone especially spiritually you know because we need to help each other out can I get a witness help each other out so join a group um, they they the, the signups begin today so this is your lucky day uh, sign up for one before they Uh, Run out of space. Um, I'm actually going to lead a group today that is open for. I think we have a max space for like 30, maybe. It'll be in the cafe, and it's called this. If you're a parent, you'll understand raising kids. You like. (laughs) (laughs) How many know what I'm talking about? You always love them. You don't always like them. Can I get a witness? Yeah Yeah, we keep it real here at Thrive. If you want it fake, you got to go somewhere else. um, and so if you're a parent, you're interested in a, in a parenting group, we'll have that on Thursday nights, I think. I'm at 7 o'clock. But all the groups are going to be awesome. Amen. Are you ready for the word? All right. Would you stand to your feet for the reading of God's word? This is what we do here at Thrive. It demonstrates the preeminence of God's word in our lives. We stand because there is no higher authority. Are you ready to submit your personal opinion to the word today? Are you ready to submit your personal preferences to the Word today? Okay, then it's for you today. We're going to go back to the passage we we, uh, used last week, Deuteronomy chapter 6. And then we're going to jump to one verse in Proverbs as we continue the series we initiated last Sunday called Legacy. Legacy. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're going to read verses 1 through 9 and then 20 through 25. So you're going to stand for a little bit. Let the word wash over you this morning. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Verse 2, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live and you fear him by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy what? Long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel. Someone say hear. Hear. In other words, listen. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Verse 20. Someone say, in the future. When your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? In other words, why do we got to do all these things? Tell him we were what? We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt. But the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. In other words, we were lost, but he saved us. He did it. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God, so that we we might always, what? Someone say thrive. We might always prosper. We might always thrive and be kept alive, as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all this law, Before the Lord our God, as he commanded us, that will be our righteousness. Now I want to read Proverbs 29, verse 18. It's a a very famous text, and I'd like you to read it with me. Ready? Where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Lord, we thank you for your word. We ask that all of us would not be proud or arrogant or stubborn, but we would all, we came, no one made us, we came. So Lord, let us be teachable, impressionable, and ready to receive, not the words of a man, but your word, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. And we have begun the topic, legacy. And I want, the reason for this topic of legacy is meant to impress upon each and every single one of us that the lives we live are not for ourselves. The life that is lived for oneself is a dead-end life. It's a selfish life. It's a self-centered life. It's actually a life of idolatry. It's the worship of oneself. The worship of one's own goals, one's own priorities, one's own benefit. And when we come to Christ and confess him as Savior and Lord, he brings us, we are reborn, he brings us to a new life. And that life should now have a new agenda. It should have a new priority. And it should be this, it should be to live a life to the glory of God. That whatever you toil, however you toil, whatever you produce, whatever you earn, whatever, you, whatever influences you might have, whatever connections you might have, whatever your life purpose might be, should be to glorify God. And in doing that, you leave a legacy that blazes, blazes a trail for those coming after us. That through the model of our lives, through the way that we live our lives, for those that observe the way that we live, we show them a different way than every than they, might, they might find anywhere else. They find a life with God as the goal. Someone say Him. He is the goal, He is the purpose. The way we handle success and the way we handle failure. The way we handle uh, blessings, And the way we handle pain or suffering. That every minute of every day, there's a devotion. There's a focus. How can I give God glory? And that, my friend, is the life worth living. You can raise a fortune in your life, leave it to your your four kids, and it's gone before any of them reach 50. And, And let me tell you, I was telling the staff earlier about uh, about heroes, maybe heroic pastors or missionaries, and and I, I tell them, you know, I've seen heroes rise and fall because of sin or failure, but I've also seen heroes rise, and die and be forgotten. Because the the point isn't isn't that we well let me just say this we will be forgotten one day. We're to point a way to an eternal blessing. It's not about me. Someone say that. It's not about me. One day we'll be gone and forgotten. But what will we have left that remains? And that will be a life that is lived for the glory of God. Anyone, anyone interested in that? Okay, good. Because it ain't, it, ain't, it, ain't, it ain't, you know, it's not about you. Not about you. But you know what? There's tremendous freedom when we live, not for ourselves, but for God. And for others. Now, in order to do this, though, we need a we need a special kind of sight. We need to be able to see things differently. This proverb, if we can put that proverb back up, it reads: "Where there is no vision, and in some in some translations, it might translate that revelation, but the concept is the same. Where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. In other words, when there isn't vision to see." People lose self control. You can't achieve anything significant without self control. You can't lose five pounds without self control. Can I get a witness? For some of us, five pounds is a lot. I'm 49 now. Five pounds is a lot. Takes a lot of self control. Someone sent me chocolate covered strawberries for my birthday, and now I need to lose six pounds. It's hard. You need self-control. So the person who doesn't have vision lives unrestrained. They live for the moment. What will make me happy right now? What will gratify my flesh right now? What will help me feel better about myself right now? There isn't foresight. Someone say see. There isn't foresight to look past temptation, past struggle towards a goal. We need a vision from God. We need to see the way God wants us to see. So I want to give you just four big ideas about seeing. How do we get this vision? How do we grasp a divine supernatural vision? A vision that will outlive our lives. How can we get a vision that will have have us make an eternal impact? Number one is that we have to see through the right what? lens. Lori just bought me these glasses. These are kind of cool. Do I look cool? Not bad for 49, right? It's, it's the glasses. That and layer of the black. Layer of the black. <laughs> you think this was on accident? <laughs> Layers of black. Okay. So, so we, we all come through or go through life getting different prescriptions. Some of them might be good. You might have godly influences, good people in your life that have taught you how to see things for the better. But we also can pick up prescriptions, uh, hindrances to our vision that skew the way that we look at life. There are people who live on the defense every day. They see everyone and everything as a threat. There are people who look at life Uh, through the lens of being a victim. And so they always feel depressed and discouraged and have low self-esteem. We need to have the right lens through which to see the world. And I submit to you, and I don't care who says it's old fashioned or outdated, I submit to you the word of God is the lens through which we can see the world the right way. Someone say the right way. I'm telling you, I'm calling it out. I am so not PC. There is a right way and a wrong, well, there's a million wrong ways, and there's only one right way. Yeah, I said it. I know people don't like to say, they like to say, oh, well, my truth is. This is the truth. And that's just a logical, that's a logical fallacy. I got my truth, you got your truth. The truth is the truth. We believe this is the truth, that a life lived through the lens of the word of God will lead you to the right places and will lead you to live a certain way that honors him, pleases him, and that blesses other people. It's not to give you credit. It's to give him glory and bless other people. Amen? So we need to look through the right lens. The truth is that some of us might have come to Christ and 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 we've been walking with the Lord for 10 years, 5 years, tw- 12 years, but we might still have some prescriptions that are not for, not, don't belong to us anymore. We got we to gotta submit, some would say, everything, everything to the Word of God. It is applicable to every part of your life. A couple years ago, we hosted a funeral here, and it was for a, a, a precious, godly woman, and, and we celebrated her because she knew the Lord. Now, a funeral for someone who knows the Lord and has lived a long life is more party than funeral. Can I get a witness? You ever been to one of those? You're like, and if you're near the Lord, you're like, why is everyone happy? How disrespectful. But you know, when someone's lived 80, 90 years and they served the Lord and they were a blessing, and you know where they went, right? You, and you know that if they had a chance to come back and sit with you, they would not. They're like, you eat that lasagna. I'm up here. I ain't coming back. You you get right and come to me. That's what they that's what they would say, right? And so those funerals are really celebrations, and there could be singing, worship, the songs they enjoyed, reading of the scriptures they enjoyed. There's testimony of their life and and the fruitfulness, and that was that kind of that kind of uh, of, of funeral where she left someone say legacy. She left a legacy, right? Well, we had here in the sanctuary, we had set a, a, a reception, and there was all kinds of food. How many Christians love food? Yeah, love that food. All kinds of food on there, salads and main dishes. I love that Save Mark chicken. We had Save Mark chicken because that's my favorite. I don't know if anyone else ate it. I like Save Mark chicken. We had Save Mark chicken. We had desserts. It was, it was a spread, right? And everyone's sitting here at tables, and they're enjoying themselves. And I was sitting right over here with one of our staff, and the the, the day was winding down, and the party was winding down. When one of her great-granddaughters comes running up, she's like six, and she looked at me, she came right up to me, all bold-like, and she said, excuse me, did you put this on? And there was a little attitude, so I wasn't sure if I wanted to admit it. I mean... I'm thinking we did pretty good, but I'm not sure with the look on her face. But I said, yeah, I did. We did, you know. And, uh, and she says, everything was so good. And my heart, like, calmed down. I was, like, nervous. Like, okay, we passed the test. And I said, I said, well, thank you for that. I, we appreciate that. We loved your great-grandma. And she says, my favorite was the croutons. The croutons. What about the chicken? The chicken's good. Get a drumstick and try it. The, the, she liked the croutons. She was six. I want you to know that some of us might have been in Christ for a while, but we're still feasting on the croutons. We have yet to eat of the profound goodness of God's word. We've yet to taste, to take a bite of the kind of faith that shows us that if we obey him, he honors it. We need to eat of the rich fare that God provides that leads us to forgive those that have hurt us. The the, 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 the bread of life that humbles us, yet lifts us up somehow. That, that, that we know the forgiveness of our sins and so we can show mercy and we've known him as a provider so we can be generous now. How many know what I'm talking about? where we've seen him come through, so we're willing to to share of what we have. God wants us to look at life through his word because we could be missing so much because there's still something wrong with our prescription. God provides you with everything you'd ever want or need. We need to eat of what he offers. What lens are we looking at life through? Are we looking at it through, through the lens of bitterness or resentment or abandonment? There are some people who are still fighting fights when they were nine and now they're 39. There are times when someone might erupt in anger at a spouse or a neighbor or a coworker, but they're really mad at the person that hurt them in junior high. God needs to heal our hearts. God needs to fix our vision so that we can see who he really is and who we are in him. And we can see the opportunity that is before us to live a meaningful life. Someone say amen. We need to look through the right lens. The second big idea I'd like to give you is that we need to see ahead. We need to see ahead. The Word of God gives us clear direction. And you know what I love about the Bible is it is very honest. The Bible doesn't lie to you. The Bible doesn't say if you commit to Christ, and do what he says that you'll eat chocolate-covered strawberries every day, like it's your birthday. He doesn't say you're going to have everything you'd ever want. There are people who believe that, name it, claim it. It's bad doctrine. You can't just say, in Jesus' name, I get the job and you get the job. Because Jesus might not want you to get the job. Because if you take that job, it might be good financially, but bad for your family. And one is worth more than the other. And God knows things you don't know. The Bible's very clear that we will, not we might, but we actually will suffer. And that we very well will suffer for Him by being different than our neighbors and our coworkers. And that is becoming more and more evident, it seems every year, that there is an increased target on Christians in the church. That now now it's not even hidden. We've become the enemy of, of others because of our association with Christ. And the Bible warns us about that. He says you're gonna go through trials and and struggle, but the reward we get for being obedient is the key. See, we need to see ahead. Someone say, see ahead. How many, when you were little, you'd get up and watch Popeye? (laughs) Does anyone not know who Popeye is? If you do not know who Popeye is, don't tell us because you're young. (laughs) The rest of us are not, at least 49. The thing about Popeye, if you ever watch Popeye, I'm not even sure if they show Popeye anymore, but you can look it up on YouTube. Popeye is every every cartoon, he's always what? Getting beat up by Brutus. And it's usually all his fault. (laughs) Just kidding, ladies, calm down my birthday. I can say what I want. I can cry if I want. It's my party. It's like the same story all the time. Why do we watch it every day? I don't know. But he always gets beat up by Brutus. And then he says what? What does he say? I want to get the quote right. If I'm going to quote Popeye, I'm going to get it right. He says, that's all I can stand. I can't stand no more. and he eats spinach, and something happens, and he gets strong, and he beats up Brutus, and he gets olive. He gets the girl. Now, did you ever wonder why he just don't eat spinach every morning? Why wait? One of those eternal questions of life. Why did Popeye wait to get beat up? Before he ate the spinach. Can I tell you that the Bible warns us eat your spinach? Prepare yourself. He says, put on the full armor of God. For when the day, someone say, when? when? Not if the day of evil will come. He says, but so that when the day of evil comes, you will be ready to stand. Why is it that us Christians sometimes wait till we're on our backs from Brutus? to like eat the spinach, pray, read our Bibles, call on a friend when we can be prepared. See, we got it. Someone say, see ahead. Yes. Friend, prepare yourself. I'm your pastor. What I want to do is, is 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 be that town crier. Trouble's coming. Trouble's ahead. Get ready. Don't wait till you're on your back. Don't wait till you're bleeding. Don't wait till you're You've done things you shouldn't have done? Said things you shouldn't have said? I mean, God's mercies are new every morning, but, but why wait till you failed? Let us eat of him. Let us pray. Let us press in. Let us prepare ourselves. Let us have vision to see. Let us see what's ahead. Let me tell you, temptation's coming. This afternoon, it's my birthday. I might get some cake. Temptation's coming on Tuesday when you're back at work. There's gonna be struggle and hardship and you might get laid off. You might get fired. Who knows what might happen? We're in a fallen world. Get ready, see ahead, and prepare yourself. If you don't, you're gonna leave a mixed legacy. And I don't want that for you. I don't want your memorial service when you're done living, as the Lord should carry, that it be a mixed message where we're picking through your life to find some good decisions, some godly decisions in the midst of the, of the garbage decisions you made. I'm saying that because I love you. You don't have to do that. See, we can choose to look ahead. Lord, help me to see. Prepare me. Give me wisdom. I used to pr- I prayed this prayer many times as a young teenager. Lord, give me wisdom beyond my years and experience. You don't have to do it to learn. God can give you wisdom beyond your years or your experience. You can be a wise 19 year old and a foolish 99 year old. Lord, give us wisdom beyond our years and our experience. Number three is that we need to see the process. See the process. James chapter 1, verse 2 through four, says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Someone say joy. Joy. Whenever you face, what? Trials of many kinds. What's up with Pastor James? What's he saying? Consider it joy when you face trials of many kinds, and this is why. Someone say because. Because you know that the testing of your faith Produces something. It produces perseverance. I once got a a, a fortune cookie at a Chinese restaurant. And it had a, a pretty neat fortune. It said this. It said, calm seas do not make for a good sailor. Calm seas do not make a good sailor. It takes rough seas to make a good sailor. We need trials and struggles to have the wherewithal to persevere. And there how many know we gotta persevere? We gotta persevere, we gotta push through. We gotta understand that there is a process here. Some people will 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 abandon their Bibles and their churches and their and their faith because they want God to do what they want right now. Like He's a microwave and God is not a microwave, and you cannot tame him. He's the Lion of Judah. You can't tame the Lion of Judah. Our role is to submit to him. God wants us to see that there is going to be a process. I heard a pastor say that some people think marriage is just three rings: the engagement ring, the wedding ring, and suffering. <laughs> Not us, babe. Not us. It's other people. Can I tell you that God, your marriage or your family might be in a process, but if you're going, if you're applying the right recipe. If you're applying the biblical steps God gives us for things like marriage and family and finances that things will work out for your good and for the glory of God. But we have to persevere. We can't expect God just to do something right now. You can't do you can't expect that. There is a process. And if we lose sight of the process, then we're going to start to substitute. Are you with me still? Our steps for his. Our steps for his. Because sometimes we want to go from step, like we're doing good. We did step one. We did step two. We repented. We're starting to pray. We're reading our Bibles. And then from step four to five, the Lord says, I'm going to let you wait a little bit. I hear your prayers, but you need to set and trust me. And in the waiting, people can get impatient, especially in today's day. Now, it, 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 if you're a farmer, you know you, good things, if you want good things, you got to wait. But when we live in this 21st economy where you can just order something, and if you're in the drive through five minutes, you get mad. I saw you. We've become impatient creatures. We need to learn there's a process. Someone say process. There's a process, and we need to wait. You know that Joseph is one of the great biblical heroes, primarily because he had no great failure in his life that we know of. The, 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 The only suspect thing was that he shared God's dreams with his brothers, and maybe that was foolish with his parents. Maybe that was foolish. But David adultery and, and murder, Abraham lying, not Joseph. And although Joseph's testimony, his life was essentially one of devotion, he spent time in a cistern, a big, a big container, he was sold into slavery, so he became a slave. Then he was lied on because he didn't commit adultery with his slave owner's wife, so he ended up in prison. He was in prison. God used him, and he he was forgotten in prison. It took slavery, it took it took it took uh, imprisonment, it took getting forgotten for him to ultimately be in the palace. It was a process. And through it all, are you still with me? This is really important. Through it all, Joseph must have kept his integrity before the Lord. Because he just kept, God just kept moving him where he wanted him to be. He said, I'm gonna work out this, your brother's selling you into slavery. I'm gonna work it out. And 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 your slave owner, he's gonna make you second in command of his household. And then when th- what this woman means for harm by, by, by saying that you uh, attacked her, I'm gonna work it out so that in prison you become second in prison. Because one day I'm gonna put you second to Pharaoh. Now through it all, Joseph, keep your heart clean. I can't promote someone, the Lord would say, who has a dirty heart. Don't get resentful. I can't trust a resentful person with authority. Don't get bitter, because I can't trust your own father and brothers with you if you're bitter. And to the point where later in life you remember, right? You remember this? He saved his family, and he says, "The Lord, <laughs> this is so good. The Lord sent me ahead of you, right? Yeah. The Lord sent me. A, you didn't. You didn't. You think you just sold me into slavery? The Lord sent me ahead of you." to save you, only a man who has suffered in a godly way can have that perspective. Friend, we all have our process. See the process. Embrace the process. Be okay with the waiting. Don't rush and don't get your hands dirty. And don't let your hearts get embittered because there's a process. God is at work in the process ask him for sight to see that you're in process. He hasn't forgotten you, he hasn't abandoned you. That would be that would go against his very nature. He can't do that. He can't just neglect you. He can't just forget you. He loves you. Stay in his process. Don't adopt your neighbor's process or your someone else's process or pop culture's process. No, stay in the biblical process and he will see you through. And he will bless you. Embrace the process. We need to see there's a process. You know, I, I, I got a few minutes, but I got to say this. Lori and I have pastored here 17 years. 17 years, actually, uh, first, first Sunday of October will be officially 17 years. And it's been a process of building a church. And there were times when we wanted to make this decision or that decision, and we were frustrated. But looking back, someone say, look back. If we would have made that decision or that decision, we would not be where we are today. We would not have what we have today. The Lord knew that, for example, there was a building right off Highway 5, so everyone can see it. Instead of us buying land over there or or moving to Manteca or Weston Ranch out in the neighborhood. We look at all that and more. And the Lord said, no, I have something that you will you don't think you'd ever be able to have, but I have it for you. Be patient with the process. The fourth one is that you have to see what isn't there yet. You have to see what isn't there yet. Second Corinthians four says, therefore do not lose what? But though our outer person is decaying, yet our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all, compre- all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen, Hebrews tells us. You have to to see what isn't there yet. Let me give you an example, and I'll, I'll end with this. My son Canaan is, we are very proud of all four of our kids, all four of them. And our son Canaan is our oldest, and we're very proud of him. He is a, a worship pastor at a strong church in the Seattle area, and they love him. And he and his wife are in ministry there together. And he just, he graduated with his BA, took one year, only one year to finish his master's degree. Um, we're very proud of him. But he wasn't always a superstar. And I remember Lori and I were new at parenting, and we had ourselves this boy, this boy, a good boy, never a bad, he was not a bad boy, good boy. But I remember one birthday party, we took him, he was about the jumpy house, was he about five, three or four. Wow, he was talented at three or four. Let's just call him four. We take him to a birthday party. It's good friends of ours. And this little, girl, this little girl's birthday party, she's four? She's five. She's a little year older. So it's, it's this little girl's birthday party. And she's got like a three-year-old brother at the time. And, and they have a jumpy house. And, and of course, yeah, Canaan, go in the jumpy house. So he goes in the jumpy house. And in a matter of two and a half minutes, the little, the little girl whose party it was, her brother came out with a black eye. And it wasn't that Canaan was punching anybody. It was his big head. He couldn't control it in the jumpy house. He was jumping. and go this way and that way. And he hit the little boy right in the eye. And out he comes crying. And he's got, a bl- he got his first black eye from Canaan's head. No lie. Am I lying? Five minutes later, out comes the birthday girl with a bloody nose. It's Canaan's head. He had a heart. He was only four years old. Knocking all the kids out. We took him out of the jumpy house. He's, he's a public danger. I said, son, you got to be careful. Poor kid. He didn't know. But Lori and I, he would do things. How many have kids? You do things and you wonder, whose child are you? You go in their room and you find stuff you'll never tell anybody. When they're like six, like who is this? So Lori and I got a book, Raising Boys by Dr. James Dobson. Bringing up boys, bringing up boys. And we sat and read it in tears. He's not the only one. Baby, not the only one. He's normal-ish. Lori and I, with with him, and with our other kids, you you, you have to see what's not there yet. See, if we don't have vision as parents, we'll cast off restraint. We'll say things we shouldn't say. We'll make decisions we shouldn't make. We're not seeing far enough ahead. We're caught up in the moment the disappointment, the anger, the frustration. We're not seeing far enough ahead. If we saw far enough ahead, we would watch our words or watch our actions and we would measure ourselves because we we see not who is here, but who will be here one day. What God has given you children a job, influence, a marriage, a relationship, talent, connections. What has God given you? God wants you to have his vision because it isn't for you it's for him what he's given you is not for you alone it's for him and for others how can God use your business or use your wisdom or use your talent not for yourself but for him do you have vision to see a God vision of what he can do through your life it takes seeing what's not there yet So that you can make the right choices. You can steward and shepherd and dedicate and devote. So that he can get the glory and your legacy. The message, someone say message. The message of your life leads people to Christ. Would you stand with me, family, and pray with me? Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrep.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.